Welcome! You found the Out of the Ordinary Podcast. This is the place where we believe that the very best stories grow out of the soil of ordinary life. I'm Lisa Jo Baker. And I'm Christy Purifoy. And a few of my favorite ordinary fall things are the crunch of leaves under my feet the smell of fires, and the return of my favorite TV shows. Lisa Joe, I love pumpkins on the front porch, candles on the dinner table, and a new mystery novel from the library. Oh, those are good. <laughs> are you ready for today's conversation? Because get comfy. Here we go. So Lisa Joe, right before you arrived to Maplehurst to record these episodes... I was rushing around a little bit doing something very important, a very necessary <laughs> <laughs> task before yes. welcoming Lisa Joe to my house to record new episodes of Out of the Ordinary. Buying Diet Coke Zero? Oh, you guys. Are you serious? Yes. That's it? Oh my God. I was joking. Oh my God. I totally was. It? Oh my gosh. So I love you the so day much. Before, <laughs> the day before, I was thinking, I can't have Lisa Joe come and do this good but tiring work without giving her what she needs. Oh, you are the best. And so I had planned a meal for our first dinner of a good autumn soup mm -hmm. with bread and salad. Ooh, potato leek soup. We had it for lunch today, too. It's oh, so, so it was good. really good. <laughs> Shout out to Jonathan, who actually made the soup. Yes, yes. <laughs> but I did plan the choose the recipe, and I did the grocery shopping. But I had forgotten to pick up your favorite Coke Zero. Mm, it's so good. Which I know you don't drink all the time. Nope. But, you know, when you're here and maybe you need a little boost of caffeine. Yeah, so can I would keep choose going. it over coffee. Right, right. And when, you, when we first started doing the podcast... You would often come and say, "Oh gosh, you don't have any Coke Zero. You'd I have wish that I had disgusting some." Lacroix. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am sorry if you listen and you like Lacroix. There is something wrong with your taste buds. That's all I'm going to go on record, and I can say that because Christy loves Lacroix. I do. Well, I don't know if I love it, but I do have it in my refrigerator I and I do someone, drink it. <laughs> I heard someone say one time, "Drinking Lacroix is like drinking." just carbonated water and someone standing in another room just yelling the names of fruit. <laughs> Apple! Orange! That's and you're so supposed true. to somehow intuit that that's that what you're drinking. so true. <laughs> oh my goodness. If we're going there, I'll say that what I really do love is Pellegrino, which oh. is sparkling Italian water and not flavored, but it's so tasty that you don't need anyone shouting watermelon or <laughs> apple. <laughs> I feel like then you would, you came a few times where you brought your own Coke Zero. And Peter, when Peter comes, he brings like a full on like two liters of something. He shamelessly shows up with like, he'll bring like two as well. And his though um, is always Diet Mountain Dew. He so does. he'll show up with like his big old Diet Mountain Dews. And you know what? I am not, are there people who maybe who would be insulted by that, that you bring your own beverages? I am not one of them. Well, I feel like I for think years we've done that because yeah. when you visit us in Michigan, you used to show up with like grocery bags of food because of fads oh, all true. of his allergies. Yeah, so I'm just totally comfortable with So we've always just brought our own stuff to right. each other's houses. I feel like one time we came with our kids and we brought ice cream because it oh, was somebody's so. birthday yeah. and they had insisted they wanted ice cream for breakfast. Yes. And I was like, okay, so we so brought I ice am, cream. So I'm completely comfortable with that. But at a certain point, we're doing this work. You're coming regularly. You're making the drive to Maplehurst so we can record these episodes and have these conversations. And I just knew I, at the very least, should have Coke Zero <laughs> for Lisa Joe. <laughs> I actually, when I was leaving home, I had just bought new Coke Zero and put it in the fridge. And I was like, should I grab a couple cans? And then I thought to myself, nope, 
Christy will have it in the oh, fridge. I actually thought to myself, Aww. and not just in the fridge downstairs, you guys. She has it up here in the fridge That's in the guest true. room where I stay. That's true. I'm so spoiled. So I almost, when I realized I had forgotten it at the grocery store when I was buying the soup ingredients, um, I didn't have, yeah, just busy day, a lot going on this week. And I almost texted you to say, Lisa Joy, I'm really sorry. I didn't pick up So Coke you made Zero. an extra trip for her? Oh my gosh, I love you so much. Are you serious? So the morning that you were getting, when you got in the car and you left me a, a text message or voicemail yeah. and said, okay, I'm on my way, I realized, okay, I've got about an hour. And that's plenty of time. So I, I did. I, I, I told Jonathan, I'm, you know, kids got kids off to school. I ran up here and I put clean sheets on your bed. Oh my! <laughs> and then gosh. I, I left. I told Jonathan, okay, I'm, I'm just heading. And I didn't even go to the grocery store. I went to the little, um, the yeah. nearest little convenience market. See, guys, this is the first time I'm hearing this. <laughs> this is so dear to me. And I, and I was so glad they have it because you never know at a convenience right, market, right. right? And at first, I thought they didn't, and I thought, <laughs> oh, darn you. Supermart, whatever you are, gas station. <laughs> Why can't you have Coke Zero? But they did. And uh, I picked up the Coke Zero and brought it home. It, you know, it was an easy thing to do, but mm. I feel like it's been a process for me of realizing, no, this matters. Mm-hmm. This is important. Oh, we, yeah. my friend needs this the way I need. I don't drink Coke Zero, but I need my coffee. I need my tea. I need yeah. a little cookie or a bit of chocolate. I need that. And I know it's, it might, mm, I'm realizing some people might being comfortable hearing that. What do you mean you need these foods? So let me let me unpack that a little sure. bit. Uh, the work we do here is good and satisfying, and uh, we put all of ourselves into mm. it. And it wears us out, doesn't it? Man, you've I leave feeling empty, like I poured out every bit of yeah. who I am. Yeah. Partly because we don't just record one podcast, we mm-hmm. do a bunch. And I actually think we need to do this podcast that way because the conversations build on each other and momentum happens and we go deeper. There's an arc, you know, the story has an arc across several episodes sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, But in order to sit down and do that at first though, we sit down and we talk about just between ourselves, Mm -hmm. deep things in our own lives Mm -hmm. to catch up on. And it just feels like any time, I mean, this time, even when I came, I'd seen you quite a bunch, like you'd been at our house, We'd seen each other twice already we had, this week yeah. before I even got into town. And so I thought, we'll just sit down and start recording. But we just, there's something about the nature of how these conversations operate that require us to connect at a soul level right. first. And I remember, Lisa Joe, when we first started hosting this podcast and recording these episodes, that we would, we would do the work. And we kept saying to one another, wow, I'm so tired. Yes. I'm so hungry. What's what, wrong with what's me? Wrong with we it? kept thinking Am I getting wrong sick? with us. What yes. is, why are we yes. so tired? Did we not sleep well last night? What is going on? And I feel like one thing that we have learned <laughs> over the past year, now that we're in season two, is that no, this is uh, this is almost like a physical labor, right? Yeah. Giving birth to these stories. Okay. So I have a little story story to tell you. Right now she's going to prove it's true. It made me feel so good. (laughs) I heard this really cool thing. This is for anybody listening who does that kind of work that's mental work, you know, like you're just sitting thinking and deciding and doing whether it's homeschooling kids or in your cubicle or you're trying to figure out a problem that's really difficult that you're in the shower, you're still thinking about it. While you're driving, you're thinking about it. Like whenever we exert mental energy, Mm -hmm. here comes the proof for why it's so tiring. It's easy to think that that is somehow not real work, that if I were an athlete, if I were jogging or running or training for a marathon, you know, that would make me tired. If I was Michael Phelps and I was downing like a billion calories before the Olympics. So Lisa, I heard this 
such interesting story on the radio the other day. They were talking about, and I didn't even hear the beginning. I came in on this anecdote, this fact. Some master, some chess master, some grandmaster at an elite international level who plays chess and does it in these tournaments, they said that this person could lose weight during one match, like 10 pounds of weight off of his body during one of these epic, I mean, we're talking like five Days. or six hours. Or, or like just one yeah, match? Yeah, just like, yeah, one match, you know, but hours like how much calories he's burning? Hours of chest playing. He could lose weight. And so scientists were actually studying this. Like, what is going on? Like, is the brain actually burning calories? And to be honest, Lisa Joe, I don't even remember what the scientific conclusion was because the takeaway was just so fascinating for me that this kind of work, whether it's mental, you may be sitting still in a chair, but your body is working, you're thinking, mm-hmm. you're strategizing, you're focusing, you're paying attention, which, you know, maybe we're not doing it to that level, but, right. <laughs> but we too are, you know, when we're talking, we're we're focusing, we're paying attention, we're trying to stay awake and, mm. and pull the truth out of these just stories of ordinary life, mm-hmm. right? So these chess players have learned that they actually have to train like athletes. And they shared the story of one particular uh, young chess player who went to a U.S. Olympic training facility where they train Olympic athletes who are runners and swimmers and so on, and how they helped him understand, oh, here's what you should be drinking. Here's when you should drink it. Uh, The orange juice that you've been drinking at the beginning of your match is a poor choice because you will have a sugar crash precisely in the match where you need to be fueled and energized. So you need to drink this. And at these times, you need to have milk or some protein. They had a whole... Sort of like a regimen, regimen for him, not only for his training, but for for his for his Diet, matches, for his food. And wow. he was winning; he was doing better. And so then, wow. other chess players started asking, "Like, what are you doing? What is your secret?" No way. And he was able to tell them, "I I, I recognize that what I'm doing is almost like a physical labor." So I wanted to share that story with you because I realized that we have learned almost intuitively and maybe haven't had the language for it. We've learned to take care of ourselves a little bit better, I mm. think, as we Which I feel do like Coke work. Zero is not the perfect example. Okay, maybe of not. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it illustrates the larger point of us taking time to eat, yeah. to drink, to refuel to rest, to um, have, I feel like, you know, in all of our senses, whether there's, there's always music on in the house and Mm -hmm. the beauty of cloth napkins. And, and this isn't like fine dining, right? It's just like grabbing a cloth napkin off the pile and sitting down, but, but the intentionality of refueling Mm -hmm. while you're doing Mm -hmm. work that requires you to dig into hard places in your, your story and your soul. Quick break, Lisa Joe. We'd love to shine a spotlight on Friends of the Show. And this week, it's our privilege to tell you about a new book called Women of Courage, a 40-day devotional. Lisa Joe, I feel like Bible reading is one of those ordinary practices that forms our lives in extraordinary ways. And the best devotionals, I think, help us encounter Scripture in the context of story and relationship. And this new devotional does exactly that. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about it? I mean, we just love what our friends at Encourage put out. I was their community manager for seven years, and I just believe in my bones the way they see faith as part of our ordinary daily life. And this devotional is a beautiful illustration of that, because these are not the Sunday school lessons of your childhood. 
no catchy phrases or flannel graph dolls here. <laughs> when they were looking into the women that they wanted to feature, these 40 women, they opted out of surface level stories and simple platitudes. And instead, they really dug into the deep nitty gritty of these women's lives. So we've got women that are well known, like Ruth or Elizabeth, Mary and Martha, but then lesser known women whose names I'm not even exactly sure how to pronounce, Shifra, Pua, Lois, and Eunice. This devotional will walk with you through the hardest days and leave you with the courage you need to lead, to love, to trust, and to turn to God in every situation. All right, for the next month, this devotional is available for a buy one, get one promotion. That means you buy one, you get one free. You can find that deal, plus a free pack of Encourage greeting cards on dayspring.com. You can also take advantage of the buy one, get one on lifeway.com. So listen, you guys, this is such a beautiful thing with Christmas ahead of us and Thanksgiving. This is the season to look for new ways to speak life and strength into the women you know. Go to dayspring.com or lifeway.com to take advantage of the deal. Now, back to our conversation. So we, we do this podcast. We tell these very ordinary stories. We're trying to pull the treasure that, you know, just the extraordinary truths out of these ordinary stories. And what we need in order to do that work well is the ordinary good gift mm-hmm. of, of food. Food. Of food. Yeah, of bread and soup and water and tea and mm-hmm. salad and the things that we have learned <laughs> mm-hmm. must be a part of our time together. So much so that I knew I've got an hour. I'm going to run out. I'm going to pick up the Coke Zero. And right. you know, maybe we'll talk a little bit about that too. That that some food is is more of that scientific regimen of like I know I need these nutrients. Mm-hmm. I know, and we you know we might study nutrition and understand. Okay, I need protein and I mm-hmm. need these vitamins and so on. But we have other hungers, right? right. And that's okay. That's okay right. that we maybe would hunger for something warm or, or for something cold or for something refreshing or for something mm-hmm. sweet that reminds us of our childhoods or whatever right. it is. Right. To remember that aspect of food too. I know. It's important. And it's part of, so when we started talking about this, I realized how many memories of mine are marked by food. Mm. Like I have these food memories. Ah. So if you look at just even Maplehurst, when you know you guys were in your early days of still being here, I was working on the end of my first book, Surprised by Motherhood. And at the time, I was working a full-time job. So I would get up and I would write from 4 in the morning till 7.30 in the morning. And then I would commute into D.C. (laughs) and work a full day. And I had like an 18-month-old. Zoe was like my youngest and two other kids. And then I'd get home at night. And then I would work on the blog and I'd go to bed. And I'd wake up at 4 in the morning and do the whole thing over again. I can't believe you did that. I can't. I look back on that and I don't think I could do that now. But at the time... The drive to tell the story was so powerful in me. And people often ask me, how do you write a book? And I always say, really, the question is, how do you not write a book? Mm. You know, if you have a book in you, you can't not write it. Mm. And I knew like, I that book drove me. It got me <laughs> up and I wrote. It must have, 4 a.m. Yeah, but as you probably remember, when I was getting toward the end, I was struggling. Because what's the thing about writing is I often compare it to, and I, I haven't done this, um, but I compare it to like deep sea 
diving. Mm -hmm. Like you submerge, you go deep down under the water and it's quiet and still and you write. But as you get toward the end, more and more, you have to go deeper and deeper because you've kind of written the surface and you're going now deeper and deeper. So it takes you longer to get down there again to continue writing. And it's very hard as you're deep into a book if you only have an hour or you only have two hours. You need like seven hours because you're doing now the deepest part Mm -hmm. of trying to pull all the pieces of the story together to Mm -hmm. run it across the finish line. And it is much harder to write in two or three hour chunks Mm -hmm. because I would find it takes me two or three hours just to get back down to the level Mm -hmm. I was at. Mm -hmm. And now I have to come back up again because my kids are home. (laughs) And Chrissy said, why don't you come to our house and just spend a few days and just finish, finish the last, I think it was like the last three chapters. And so I had never thought about doing that. And Pete said, okay, yeah, let's do it. You know, take a long weekend and go. And it is to this day my favorite writing memories. I remember it so vividly. And it was actually, it's funny, you can mark how much time has passed because the garden you tore out to build the barn, you were just in the process of putting it in. Oh, that's right. John was building the beds that's for that right. vegetable garden. Oh and goodness. I could hear him hammering. I would be up on the third floor writing. Aww. I could hear John working outside. And there was something very beautiful about hearing what was happening outside, the life and growth and vegetable mm-hmm. gardens. And Christy had stocked the fridge for me mm-hmm. and there were snacks upstairs, but I just wrote all day through breakfast, through lunch. And then I would come down at night and there would be dinner, mm-hmm. just this beautiful feast waiting. And I remember vividly the day I finished. I was I, The thing about writing that's so exciting is as you get to the end, sometimes you can actually see it coming. It's The way it feels for me is it's like you're in a long tunnel. And I especially think about the tunnel I drive in to come here, the Baltimore Harbor Tunnel. You go under under the water, you're underground, and it's dark. And then, of course, you know how it is. You start to see the light coming in the distance, and it gets brighter and brighter and brighter (laughs) as you emerge from the tunnel. And writing the end of a book feels that way to me. Like, I can see the speck of light off in the distance, and I get so excited. Like, oh my gosh, here it comes. Here it comes. Oh, God, I'm going to emerge from it. It's so exciting. And um, I finished writing that book. And came downstairs and you had made, do you remember the meal you had made? I do, only because you reminded me many times. I don't know if it would have stuck in my (laughs) mind otherwise, but I do. We'd made uh, risotto Mm -hmm. and bread and And salad salad and wine Mm -hmm. and water. And that meal has stayed with me. The taste of that meal, the experience of that meal, the sense of completion and fullness. That's Mm -hmm. how it feels when you finish a book. Maybe like how when you finish a chess match or any work project, that sense of completion. And then to celebrate it with this good meal Mm. was so nourishing, not just physically, but on really a spiritual level too, the sense of celebration, breaking Mm -hmm. bread together to say, Mm -hmm. I mark this moment, Mm -hmm. I mark this occasion. And really that for me was the beginning of many moments here at Maplehurst Mm -hmm. where meals have really become memories for me. (laughs) Uh, It's interesting to think that it was the right food at the right time as well. So I might have made the risotto the night before, and I'm sure you would have enjoyed it, but I doubt it would have stuck in your mind and heart quite the same way because it was the right food at the right time. Right. And there's something about 
it's like being seen. Somebody mm-hmm. sees you, mm-hmm. right? And it doesn't have to be super fancy. I think about my own kids. One of my favorite things to do for them sometimes is to have a tea party waiting when they get home from school. Uh, and especially like in the winter months when mm-hmm. it starts to get cold. And it's not fancy at all. Like I will use mugs, but sometimes I will. I bring out the cups and saucers and the teapot and some flowers and some cookies from the store. I'm never making it from scratch. But there's that sense of being seen. Like they mm-hmm. walk in the door and they're cold and it's been a long day and they're tired and now here it is like I see you let me feed you let me celebrate you let me love you in this way there's just something about those moments um, that we get to give to people in very simple ways or here's another good example I have teenage boys now they're always hungry and always tired they're going (laughs) back and forth between sports and one of their favorite things is if I arrive for a bus pickup and I brought like a treat like a snack whether it's cookies or bread or I've but I've brought something like Mm -hmm. I've thought of them you know I knew you'd be hungry Mm -hmm. I knew you couldn't wait till you get home to dinner here's something Mm -hmm. I brought for you there's something about that that we get to give each other there is reminds me, I love it when my husband, I don't travel often, but when I do and he picks me up from the airport, it always means so much to me if he's packed um, a little snack or a bottle of water or something. Just knowing how you feel when you get off an airplane and you've been traveling to have something right there. So it, I wouldn't even say it's the right food. It's just food at the right time. Right. <laughs> food at the right time. You feel seen. You feel oh my seen. gosh, I have such a good story about that. That wasn't exactly food, but so I was, this is, this is a first kiss story. Oh, okay. That's marked by a memory like, like this. So um, my mom had passed away. Um, I'm trying to, was it after she had passed away or before? I can't remember. She was in hospital for such a long time. Um, but there's a boy I'd had a crush on forever. Oh my gosh, he was so handsome, so dreamy. <laughs> <laughs> he was a swimmer. He rode a motorbike. He was oh. like such a cool kid, you know? And um, he had asked me out on a date and brought me back from it. And we were in the driveway. It was spring, jacaranda trees, jasmine. You could smell the jasmine. And I had my first kiss with him. I just remember thinking all the things a girl thinks, oh my gosh, it's happening. Like, it's happening. It's, it's happening. Like, I'm in the movies. <laughs> and what had happened was he had brought me home. He'd said hi to my dad. And then I had said to my dad, I'm going to walk Justin out. And I think my dad knew. <laughs> said, I'm going to walk Justin out to his motorbike. And we were out for a while. And um, it was such a beautiful moment. And it's one of those conversations I I often have with my own kids. Save up those first kisses. Like you don't get a you don't get a do-over. Mm. Like let it be a, I've told them the story. Let it be a memory that really counts. Because mine is such a beautiful moment. It was so <laughs> cherished and so special, so fun, magical. And um when I walked back inside, I had wondered like. It's like that awkward feeling, like, what's my dad going to say? And it wasn't my mom. It's like my dad. And am I going to tell him? Like, but I've had this glow, you know, and it felt magical. But like, what happens now? I'm just going to bed, like, I'm taking a (laughs) shower. Like, what's the end to this moment? And Christy, I walked in the door. My dad was sitting in the living room watching TV. He looked over at me, got up, poured me a glass of sherry, poured himself one, gave it to me smiled and just sat back down on the sofa (laughs) and it was so great like it was this moment and I was older when I had my first kiss so I was like you know 
18 or whatever, it's fine to pour me a glass of sherry. It's yeah. not like I was 12. <laughs> um, but it was such a beautiful acknowledgement mm. of being seen. Somehow it was a hat tip to me as an adult, you yeah, know, like yeah. this experience you had is part of your womanhood. Mm. I celebrate you in a way that adults celebrate, you know, by mm. pouring you a drink of celebration. I don't need to say all the words. Like he didn't yeah. need to have a conversation with me. Just a little glass. But yet spoke. he said it. Like he said <laughs> yeah. all the things because Aww. it was... It was a celebratory drink, right? Mm -hmm. It's not just a glass of wine. It's not a milkshake. Like, it's not different foods say different things. It's the kind of drink that's only saved for like a toast, Mm. a tot of sherry, something to say, I see you. I recognize you're you're coming into Mm. adulthood. And it's one of my favorite memories, I think, often about my kids. Oh, I hope they'll tell me so that I can have a moment <laughs> like that with them to make them feel seen and cherished in that oh, way. Oh, that's beautiful. I ha- It just reminded me as well, goodness, and we didn't plan these stories at all, did we? But it's funny how you share one and it, then you realize there's just a flood of them. And um, this wasn't, this is, <laughs> this is food in ordinary life right here because I have the most vivid memory of being a teenager, being in high school where as is true for my own teenage daughter today, I spent most of my time in my bedroom with the door Mm, shut. Reading. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know what I was doing. I was probably reading a lot, but I was doing other things as well. And I was doing a lot of homework, I'm sure. And so I can remember being in there and I was doing homework and my mom coming in and just putting down a little dish of chocolate pudding. And I'm sure it was just instant pudding, but it had a little whipped cream on top. And I even think that whipped cream was some kind of instant. I mean, again, very, very ordinary. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And yet the specialness of it, it was just sudden Mm. and unexpected. And it was like, I was alone in my room, but to my mom, she could see me. She knew I was there. She knew what I was up to. And she wanted to come in and give me something. And again, no words. I don't remember any words. But how interesting to think that I've never forgotten the little dish of chocolate pudding with whipped cream on top. The power of food to bless one another and love one another, even when there's no occasion at all. And it's just an afternoon. That's one of my favorite things to do with my kids, too, is I will sometimes, like especially on a Saturday, you know, my boys play so much sport during the week. And if they have a Saturday or a Sunday morning where there isn't sport at their home, I know they're exhausted and they haven't watched TV all week. They haven't video game. They've done nothing. And so sometimes they'll be waking up slowly and then they're in bed like watching a show or something and or reading a book sometimes too. My favorite thing is to like make them a meal on a tray uh-huh. and like bring it into them because I know like that's such a spoil, right? Yes, it just feels like, yes. oh my gosh, mom, like thank you so much. And no matter how many times I do it, they it's the exact same reaction. They're always like, oh, so thank you so much. <laughs> you know, like they love it. Uh-huh. They love it. It's that sense of abundance of being blessed. And you know, listen, you guys, of course, we're not saying that food is the way, the only way we comfort ourselves, <laughs> it right? It solves and every problem. Right. No. Of course, it can be unhealthy, et cetera, et cetera. So please don't hear us saying that. But what we are saying is that God intended food for good. Yeah. God intended food for blessing. And how fun it is to mark occasions with food that doesn't have to be a lot. Like it doesn't have to be right. a ton. But it's really, it's that, I really do think it's that being seenness that mm-hmm. matters so mm-hmm. much. I mean, even last night, after a day of recording with you to come down, and I had seen when you had said to John, here's the recipe, here's the bag of potatoes. Like, I mm-hmm. knew he was going to be preparing the soup. And to come downstairs and have this amazing soup waiting for us and to carry the plates out mm-hmm. into the garden mm-hmm. and sit outside. Do you remember how it smelled when we came downstairs? Oh, that smell was rich and heady so and just good. filled the space. So good. Yeah, yeah beautiful and fulfilling. 
fulfilling and it's a sense of you've done well, like you did good work today. Mm -hmm. You worked hard. Um, And in the same way that I pay attention to what my kids are eating when they've got a big sports season, there's something about saying we're doing hard work. Like anybody who's living through a season of grief or Mm -hmm. sorrow or stress, like that takes a toll on you and you need to make sure you're paying attention to your Mm -hmm. body and are you getting the calories you need and Mm -hmm. the comfort you need and the rest that you need. And it's an easy way to bless a friend too, isn't it? (laughs) It Like I had a friend who had had a minor surgery and uh, she texted me and I said, how are you doing? She said, I'm home now. And I came by with just donuts and coffee, you Aww. know, like there's how easy is that? Like yeah. go through the drive through, pick up donuts and coffee. There's something about being seen in that way. I had a friend one time who messaged us when we were going through a hard season and said, hey, I made, um, you know, what's it called? Stew. I made stew tonight and I have extra. Do you want me to bring bring mm-hmm. over extra to you? Wow. And my first thought is to say, no, no, we're fine. Mm-hmm. But I'm learning to say, yes, please yeah. <laughs> bring it. Um, but because food is just an easy way to tell people, I see you and I love you and yeah. I celebrate you. But it's also essential. It's essential to the work it's we absolutely do. absolutely essential. Isn't it interesting? It's always so interesting to me that, I mean, God could have made our bodies in such a way that we could eat once a day or once a week, mm. and that would be our fuel. Mm-hmm. And, and some days I wish that was the case. Right? Getting kids every day is you such wanna a You want to eat drag. again, right? Yes. You're hungry again. More? Yeah, summer can be a challenge, right? My my kids are home from school, and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, you want three meals and two right. snacks? It's what? super annoying. <laughs> and it's it's helpful for me to remember, oh, oh, no, this isn't actually an inconvenience. Right. Like I can sometimes think it is. This isn't actually drudgery right. or one more chore. Right. This is a gift that God said, no, 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 this is so good that I want you to sit down three, maybe three times, at least mm-hmm. twice a day, maybe three times a day, maybe five if you add in, if you're Hobbit and you add in 11 season, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and receive this gift. The way that we every night have to receive the gift of sleep every night again and again, we have to mm. go to sleep. You know, we aren't made to to fuel up once a week with eight mm-hmm. hours of sleep in one meal, but the gift is so good that it's offered to us daily and multiple times a day. And to flip that on its head and say, "Oh, it's not just a challenge for," especially if you're a woman and you're feeding a, f- a family or mm. you have other people living in your home, um, it can uh, if the bur- if if the burden of it, if the work of it falls more heavily on you, which it might, um, it can be a little more challenging to have that attitude. And um, it's good for me to remind myself like, oh, no, 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 no. I get to have dinner now. Oh, I like that. I get that. to have I breakfast get to. now. I get to, not I, I have to, to. I get that. to. Yeah. Oh, what an interesting way to describe it. I've always thought it was so interesting that when Elijah was hangry after he had <laughs> yes. you know, defeated the prophets of Baal and he's sulking under a tree, like the angel comes and prepares food. It's like, yeah. here, eat. sleep, (laughs) get up and journey. You know, there's something about, and I wonder, what do you think that is? Like, why do you think God designed us that way, that Mm -hmm. dependence we have on Mm -hmm. food? Is it a reminder? Is it supposed to point back Mm -hmm. to Him? Like, I don't know that I've ever really unpacked that. Mm -hmm. I just accepted it as a given that food is necessary, Mm -hmm. but one does wonder about it. Yeah, yeah. I think there's an opportunity in there, and um, there's a chance for gratitude at every meal, You know, we know, we're aware of the need around the world. We know that there are those who don't Mm. always have a meal when they're hungry or don't always have a 
the variety maybe of flavors and access to food that that we might be enjoying in this season of our life. We know that like so much of ordinary life, it's in the not having or the paying attention to other stories that you realize the deep goodness of it. Mm. And that doesn't, knowing that some don't have it doesn't diminish the goodness of it. It just, you know, I think it calls us to share what we have and to pray, oh Lord, let all be fed, right? Mm. But it is a good gift and um it, it's it's just how we see it it's so it's an opportunity for gratitude it's an opportunity for expression like i i i'll be honest i don't actually love to cook or bake i don't love the process it is work um mm-hmm. i tend to get distracted and mess up and then i'm frustrated and that does happen um but because i love good food and flavors and mm-hmm. you know and i love sharing with other people I have found ways to almost like trick myself into also enjoying the Mm. process. You know, I I try to do it in deliberate ways where, okay, if I'm if I'm cooking dinner for the kids tonight, I am going to get out my ingredients. I'm going to pour myself, you know, whether it's a cup of tea or a glass of wine, but something to sort of, um, I might light a candle Mm. on the little counter where Mm -hmm. I'm cooking and say, okay, I might turn on my favorite radio show Mm. or podcast. Okay, now's my moment. Sometimes I'm interrupted. Kids run screaming through the kitchen and it's not, it's no longer a (laughs) perfect moment. Dog needs help, yeah. But in the little ways that I can, that are within my control in that moment, I can sort of honor the moment, mm-hmm. even though I'm not a natural born cook who loves being in the, the kitchen for hours a day. But in those small ways, I try to remind myself, no, 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 this is good. This is good. I like that. And necessary if you ask yeah. chess players, apparently. apparently. So yeah. yes, isn't that nice to know that there really is an energy burned by doing the hard work of thinking through difficult things and solving problems yeah. and caring for others. And so there's the necessity of food, but there's also the gift of food and the gift we give to others and how we see them Mm -hmm. when we offer them good food and how we care for them and Mm -hmm. how it points us to our neighbor who doesn't Mm -hmm. have food. And it gives us responsibilities to share what we have. Mm -hmm. Ooh, all of it. All of those things. Yeah. All of those things. And somehow you going out for Coke Zero. Perfect metaphor. So, so I thank hope, you, old I hope friend. I will always have Coke Zero for you. I may forget now and again, like I forgot the pans of food in the oven. It could happen. <laughs> but know that my heart is for you and wants to bless you with Coke Zero. I receive it. <laughs> Did you enjoy these stories? Why don't you join the conversation? Take a moment and leave us a review. It's easy. Just scroll down in whatever app you're listening on, click on review. And tell us who you are, what you loved about us, and let us get to know you a little bit too. This week's featured review comes from Christy Finley, who says, I was recently introduced to your podcast by a good friend who thought I might like it because your conversations so reminded her of our own. I live in the United States and she in Germany, so our friendship spans the globe. This past weekend, my husband and I made the what is usually very long feeling four-hour drive to Portland and back to help clean up his mother's house, who has recently been diagnosed with brain cancer. Emotions are high for me as the ordinary things of life are shifting for our family quite a bit now. But it was such a comfort to listen in on your conversations on the drive there and back. I felt like I was on a road trip with two old friends. 